What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, everyone. I'm Aino Arbizu, and this is Moving Forward, the podcast powered by SEA to talk about innovation, technology, industry, and all those issues that play a fundamental role in improving society. Society is diverse. We, the people, are different. We are from different races, ethnicities, cultures. We are different genders. We have different sexual orientations and identities. We profess different religions. We come from different backgrounds and have different abilities. But we all live together. That is why inclusion is key to promoting a diverse, well-functioning society. On some level, companies are like mini-societies. They can represent a whole spectrum of people and cultures. How, then, should companies promote inclusion through other organizations? And how can this inclusion seep through society to make it more diverse? To answer these questions, we have here with us today, Xavier Ross. Welcome, Xavier. Hi, Anoa. Real pleasure to have you here back. Thank you. Uh, how are you? Fine? <laughs> yes, very well, very well, fine. Xavier Ross is Executive Vice President for Human Resources and Organization at SEAT and a committed person inside the company to Diversity Matters. And I'm happy also to welcome Dr. Julia Sperling. Thanks for joining us here today at Casa SEAT to chat about diversity. Hi, Dr. Sperling. How are hey you? There. <laughs> Very well. Pleasure being here. Nice to have you. Real pleasure. Thank you so much. Dr. Sperling is a medical doctor, neuroscientist, and tenured partner at McKinsey & Company, globally in charge of the firm's diversity and inclusion efforts, and a global leader in McKinsey's organization practice. So let's start, if you don't mind, by talking about diversity itself. Dr. Sperling, bearing in mind your extensive global experience, what changes have you noticed in the amount of importance being given to diversity and inclusion over the last few years? We see a clear increased importance that companies are putting on to diversity, equity and inclusion in the past couple of years. So on the one hand, COVID has, of course, taken its toll on caretakers, many, many of them being women. And companies are now looking for ways to make sure that they don't lose those women in their workforce. That's one. But also on a global scale, when you look into the last year, you've seen the Black Lives Matters movement. You've also seen the Stop Asian Hate. So also themes around racial diversity, ethnic diversity have come much, much more strongly up in the world. And on one hand, we can see a clear positive development. But on the other hand, there is still a lot to be done. What does this mean in concrete terms for companies, Xavier? How should they deal with uh, this development? 
Well, here at SEAT, we're very conscious about diversity. We are a large company. SEAT is a large company. We have more than 15,000 employees, and we represent society. These 15,000 employees represent society. So we have people from all ages, uh, from four different generations, 67 different nationalities working with us, 26 different languages are spoken, and we have 21% of female employees, but on the other hand, we have 26% of female managers which shows our willingness to increase the, diverse, the diversity in our management. And also, by the way, we have also a big LGBTI plus community. But for me, the important topic is to, to explain why it is so important for us to drive this topic of diversity. And from my point of view, there are five main reasons in, in, order, to, in order to do that. First of all, um, by improving our diversity, we are getting more creativity because um, we get different cultural backgrounds and experiences which drive different ideas. We have also a better understanding of our customers. So we don't have to forget that our customers are diverse and so our employees have to be diverse as well. And we have a better problem solving because then we are avoiding what is called the herd mentality because we have different perspectives and approaches to different problems. The, the fourth reason is that we have a better and easier recruitment of talents because talent is diverse. So if we have a diverse workforce, it will be easier for us to attract this diverse talent. And finally, we get higher employee engagement you know, because when our employees feel accepted and valued, that is the topic of inclusion, they feel happier and they feel more engaged. So, uh, in summary, we work every day to ensure that every single employee, regardless of their gender, skin color, origin, religion, they, that they don't have to hide and they have the same opportunities to unleash their full potential. So, we take our work very seriously and we want to lift diversity. And we do that, we, we make this commitment, not just because it is the right thing to do, but also because our employees demand it, our society demands it, and we demand it for ourselves. So improving diversity, um, it takes us to be, you to be more creative, better understanding, um, diverse talent, higher employee engagement because they feel happier. Anything you want to add, uh, Dr. Sperling? Um, how should they, they deal Well, number one, I love the fact that Javier Rose is pointing out the importance for companies that diversity, equity and inclusion has. It is a matter of fairness. That's absolutely right. Yes. And it's also a matter of the business case, because what we've been able to show year after year is that with increased diversity and increased inclusion, companies also have a higher likelihood to be more profitable and to outperform their competition. And this business case is exactly grounded in what Javier has just mentioned. It's grounded in understanding your customers better. It's grounded in winning the war for talent because you're simply not leaving out a single talent that you could be recruiting and in making better decisions. And despite all efforts, unconscious biases can prevent true progress in this, in this regard. Precisely because they are unconscious. Uh, Dr. Sperling, you're an expert in this field. Uh, how does this topic affect companies? 
That's unfortunately very true. So unconscious bias is something that we all have. We all carry it inside of us. It's a way that we see the world and understand the world. And you mentioned the word already, it's subconscious. So it's very hard to influence. And the problem here is that, of course, we tend to rather want to promote or to recruit talent that we already know that maybe reminds us of ourselves where there is little uncertainty. Huh? And with this bias, we tend to miss out on great talent that's different and that we should re recruit exactly for this purpose because they're different, because they can bring different perspectives. But primarily, the brain is really working in a way that it recognizes patterns and it loves the patterns that it's familiar with. Thank you. And what do you think about it, Tavi? Um, well, I think one of the first things we, we have to do in order to... Uh, to reduce these unconscious biases is uh, to teach values such as openness, respect, and tolerance to make people aware of these uh, unconscious biases. So the one example is what we are doing today, and, and that's why I wanted to, to help, uh, to, to thank now Julia for being with us. Today we spent the whole day with her. We had the first meeting with, uh, with the management, uh, with 130 managers. And then in the afternoon we had also a second meeting with the board and the top management managers of this company now we're having this the podcast this all helps for us to be aware uh, about these uh, unconscious biases and that we have to do our best to know them first to identify them and to work in order to limit their effects and i feel this is an important issue perhaps one of the most important issues how can education help achieve actual diversity and inclusion How can education help with yes. Um, yes. So think, see, those biases get formed at a very early age already. More and, or less. What uh, age? And the, uh, you can look into kindergarten, early school age already when, when girls are being told to play with dolls while boys play with cars. I mean, that's where stereotyping literally, literally can start already. Mm -hmm. So it, it starts very early on. But the good news is it can be addressed at any age in life. So you're never too old to fight your unconscious bias. You might still have them. I myself, I carry my own unconscious bias, but I've learned over time to get to know them. And that was was mentioned, basically to have awareness for them. Because once you know that you might be biased towards, I don't know, fostering harmony in the group and rather not speaking up or to be overconfident or to be not confident enough or to try to confirm all the patterns that you see around you. So once you're aware of these biases, you can actually take actions. And um, I hope that today we've come one step further towards actually understanding these biases. What about you, Xavier? How can education help achieve actual diversity and, and, and inclusion? Well, from my point of view, the traditional diversity trainings do not help a lot no? because uh, simply telling people that they have unconscious biases, mm, that will not change a lot of things. What is more important from my point of view is to carry out this kind of experimental unconscious bias in diversity awareness workshops so that the employees, that people uh, experiment by themselves uh, and they get very surprised with some uh, tests, uh, with some exercises that they really have these, uh, these uh, unconscious biases and what can they do to try to avoid them. That, that helps uh, much more. No? But we don't have to, to forget that um, If we speak about diversity and inclusion, um, we will not, will not solve everything by teaching or by education or by different workshops. We have also to change 
our processes and especially the HR processes. I am thinking about the process of recruitment, personal development, promotion. How do we include within our HR processes these uh, elements of diversity and inclusion and how do we try to design these processes in order to reduce uh, as much as possible the uh, unconscious biases that we all have. So when you talked about investing resources, it reminded me of something Anna Christina Grochner said. She is a chairwoman of the German Diversity Charter, and I'm sure you you know her. She was a guest on this same podcast during Pride Month, along with Thomas Mayer, SEAT's chief governance and legal officer. He's a huge LGBTI plus rights advocate. And I remember Anna Christina Grochner talk about how boosting diversity is a business success factor. As she herself described it, how do you explain that, Dr. Sperling? It absolutely is. And that's why it should not only be an HR topic in a company, it should literally be the whole company's topic. So why am I saying this? We've done research over the years again and again and found an even stronger correlation each year between the following. If an organization is in the top quartile with regards to their women participation in their leadership teams, mm -hmm. they also have a 25% higher likelihood to outperform their competition in the industry, in the geography, financially as well. So there's a direct correlation between diversity and business success. Wow. And do you think companies are thriving on this journey to become more diverse and open? Tavi, in other words, how do you see the future in, in this sense? Well, I'm convinced diversity and inclusion will become increasingly important and uh, that will be a competitive factor in the business world. And that's a clear future trend mm -hmm. because new generations are focused on diversity values. And um, what I would like to say as perhaps as a final message is that diversity inclusion is very high on our agenda, on SEAT's agenda, and we will continue to promote working environments in which each and one of us, each and one of our employees feel safe, confident and comfortable. Well, thank you for doing this combination of inclusion and, and diversity. And I would also like to have a final message of you, Dr. Sperling. What could you add to us? <laughs> you know, I always say great leaders think alike, but world-class leaders think differently. Wow. Oh, great. <laughs> wow. Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been so nice to have two um, amazing leaders like you two in, in our podcast. Thank you both for joining us on Moving Forward. It's been a pleasure to chat with you here at Barcelona's Mobility Hub, Casa Seat. Do you like Casa Seat, Dr. Sperling? Ah, it's beautiful. It is. Huh? It is. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, it's been great, Dr. Jules Sperling and Xavier Ross. Thank you and thank you. Thank you both. Thank you very much. Thank you. And a big thanks to our listeners for choosing us. Thank you all for listening to Moving Forward. Stay tuned for our upcoming episodes. You can find us on Spotify and other digital platforms and the SEAT social media channels. I'm Ainhoa Arbizu. Keep moving forward. Mm -hmm.